It's a beautiful day to say what you need to say It's a beautiful day to say what you need to say yeah. And I can lead the way Welcome to Time Out with Ty, the less official podcast of Behind the Buck Pass. We're back for episode 25. Uh, the Buck season is over. for So for a lot of listeners, their NBA season might be over. The playoffs are in full swing. But they're still in the first round. And there's a lot of very boring series right now in the NBA playoffs. Uh, a lot of series look like they're probably going to end up in sweeps. A lot of five-game series. If they're not sweeps, they'll just be gentlemen sweeps. So I wanted to talk about a league that was in more of an exciting time. You may be thinking, well, the NCAA is over, and I'm an American, so I know nothing about Euroball. So what is Ty talking about? Ty's talking about the D-League. I've brought back expert D-League reporter and acclaimed podcast guest, Chris Reichert, to talk D-League with me once more. How you doing, Chris? Life is good, man. 75 degrees and sunny up here in Washington, so I can't complain. It got up to 60 today, so it felt like 90 to me because I live, I'm in Oshkosh, Wisconsin right now, where it has been zero within the last two months or so. So I can't complain either, to be honest. That's, uh, that's really cold, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, duh, don't, I mean, I'm, I'm from Milwaukee, so it's not like it's anything alien to me. When, I, when I get to warm climates, I just feel uncomfortable. I went to Aruba once. There's the how far away is Ty Ben from home trivia question that no one will ever ask or answer. But it's Aruba, and it was very strange for me because it's pretty much always 80 there. My body's not ready for that. I, I was freaking, I was sweating everywhere, even if I was in air conditioning. It's like my body knew it was hot somewhere around me, and it didn't like it at all. I think I'm built for this. <laughs> there you go. So I wanted to talk D-League because I'm trying to get more into the D-League. And it's it's easy to do because they put literally everything on YouTube. I said, well, I need to do research for this. It's not on uh, League Pass, which I have League Pass. So how am I going to watch these games? I pull up YouTube and the playoff games, the regular season games, full games are all there. So I was watching some some basketball to get ready for this. We're in an exciting time in the D-League right now. We have one finals team already determined, the Sioux Falls Sky Force, who we'll get to in a minute. The other one will be determined the night we're recording this. So I think two days ago from when it goes up, most likely. And that will be the Los Angeles Defenders or the Austin Spurs. First off, give me your hot take. Who do you think is going to take the series tonight? I think Austin's going to pull it out, man. Austin's playing at home. Um, the D-League series, they're shorter than NBA series, so every series is only three games. Uh, so anything can happen, really. I mean, you know, a team gets hot for two games, and the seeds don't really matter all that much. I mean, the, de- the Defenders, for instance, are the seed. So they upset the one seed, the Reno Bighorns, in, in the first round, uh, two games to one, with every game being really close. But Austin has a lot of depth. Austin, Austin can slow it down. They can speed it up. They can, you know, they're they're a lot like the Spurs. They don't have anybody who really stands out as a star, but they're all really, really good players. They have Deshaun Thomas, who you might recognize that name from Ohio State. Um, they have Kiefer Sykes there from your home state, from UW Green Bay. Um, so they got some, they got some quality players and, and even though the defenders have the bigger names like Vander Blue and Ryan Gomes and, uh, Joshua Jett, um, I, I just see Austin pulling it out because I think in the end defense is going to be able to, to hold up and, and win it for him. 
See, I'm torn because, as you just mentioned, there's a UW Green Bay graduate on Austin, and Vander Blue is a Marquette graduate on the Los Angeles Defenders. I guess I can't really go wrong. Uh, I know Vander Blue more, but it's because you said he's been sort of a D-League star this season. He is the highest point-per-game scorer still in the D-League, I believe, now that Sean Kilpatrick is a net. Or I suppose I don't know if he's still a net. The season's over, but he was on the nets. Um, I don't. I have no idea who's gonna win. I'll go with your judgment. If I don't even know if you can bet on D League conference finals games. If I was, I'd go with you and and go for Austin. Here's a, a quick random question: Is Los Angeles D apostrophe Fenders the worst name in the D League? <laughs> it's actually D hyphen Fenders. Oh yeah, um, I, I said apostrophe. But... That'd be even worse. Yeah, but it's uh, it's it's not great, um, especially because in recent years they don't play much defense at all. I mean, they're <laughs> one of the teams who get who gets up and down, and they want to outscore you. Um, this year they brought back Casey Owens, who's a great coach. Um, he's he's done you know pro basketball across the world, um, and so he brought back some defense. They they're still a high octane offense, and that's really their their threat. But they definitely play a little bit more defense than they have in years past. Um, yeah, interesting side note for this series. They had a little quirk, man, that probably only happens in the league, to be honest with you. Uh, third quarter of game two in Austin, um, they had to postpone the game and restart the game uh, Monday. So the game was set for Sunday. They played until about six minutes left in the third quarter. They had condensation on the court, couldn't get rid of it. They had ice underneath their court, and you know they, they, <laughs> yeah. they've had some crazy weather. They've had some crazy weather in Texas. Uh, I don't know if you've seen like the flooding and things that, that's going on right now. So, um, you know, all that stuff mixed together. They were trying to keep everybody in the arena warm. They had ice underneath the court. They had condensation, couldn't get rid of it, had to postpone the game mid-game and then restart it on Monday night. So Monday night, they finished game two from the point of interruption, which Austin was able to win to extend the series to tonight's deciding game three. So little little court that you probably wouldn't see in the NBA or, or, or many other professional leagues, to be honest. I, I've been. I was meaning to ask you about that as soon as I saw it. I didn't get a chance until until right now, pretty much. Yeah, I, I didn't investigate it enough on my own, but I, I read that a few places. Condensation on the court. You know, you read something like that, like a, a real technical term, and just like, what the hell does that mean in terms of a basketball court? Where is their condensation? So you're telling me it wasn't like ice under from like a hockey rink because the the Bucks actually share an arena right now with a, a hockey team. It was just like ice that formed. No, no, I was told it was. They, so they they play in Austin plays in an arena where there is hockey. So I was told that they had hockey underneath, but that mixed with them trying to overly heat the inside due to the weather outside ah. created the condensation from the ice. So um, that's what I was told. That's the explanation basically that I was given when I when I inquired on what happened. Um, so it was, it's a quirk, man. It's, it's just a weird thing that, you know, even in the three years I've been covering it, I haven't seen anything like that in the D league, but, um, you know, glad to see Austin was winning at the time. Glad to see that they didn't kind of thwart their, you know, their, their comeback and they were able to win and like I said, force this deciding game three. So all for the marbles to see who gets to lose to Sioux Falls. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, I, I meant to touch on this in a year where, the Golden State Warriors dominate NBA coverage, and we'll probably talk some NBA in a little bit here. The Sioux Falls Sky Force is repeating that feat. They don't have the same winning percentage, but 40-10, and 10, the first D-League team to ever win 40 games, according to my very brief research. How good are the Sioux Falls Sky Force, and why are they so good? 
Well, they're very good. I mean, they have names, again, that you're going to remember. They have Jarnell Stokes, um, who was in the NBA, who played for, I believe, three different clubs this year um, before finally getting waived by the Pelicans. Um, so he came to Sioux Falls after that. Um, they have DeAndre Liggins, who used to be on the, on the Oklahoma City Thunder and is kind of a defensive specialist. He's still that. Um, they have Rodney McGruder, who's really kind of an, one of the more underrated players in the league, who's a Kansas State alum. They had Briante Weber from Virginia Commonwealth, who um, is now with the Miami Heat. He got he got signed with the Heat. They have Keith Benson, who used to play with the Heat. Um, you know, they just have a slew of guys who who are professionals and know what they're doing. And they brought in Dan Craig from the Heat organization. He's been there for a really long time. He started as a video intern, just like Spolstra. Um, wanted to be get his feet wet in some head coaching, and and he's just kind of taking the reins and run with it, man. They're just so deep. Um, I didn't even mention Greg Whittington. He's a Georgetown. He, he went to Georgetown, and I mean, he's possibly the best prospect, the best NBA prospect they have on their team. He doesn't even start. Um, so the team is super deep, and they all play together. You know, they they have a lot of guys who average like 14 to 18 points a game. So nobody really like jumps out and and really takes over, but they all contribute and they play great offense and they're the number one defensive team in the league as well. So they're just super well-rounded, super deep, and I just I don't see anybody beating them two times, you know, in a, in a three-game series. I mean, I can see one of the teams forcing a game three. Um, Super Bowls haven't lost yet in the in the postseason. They swept both their the, both the opening series and their second round series. They swept, um, but. You know, I could see somebody forcing in game three, but I, I just don't see them losing. Yeah, I mean, you've won me over on, on the Sioux Falls Sky Force. Even without Beyonce Weber, you think there's no chance that they, they lose these finals? I mean, yeah, if, if they had lost Beyonce Weber and not had anybody to back him up, I'd say, yeah, but they picked up Torrey Murray, who's also an NBA vet. I mean, he's played with the Knicks, played with a couple of NBA teams. He's a defensive guy as well. Um, they got Larry Drew, the second back. He was on their team last year. He went over to, I believe, Italy. His season ended in Italy, so he came back. So they picked up those two guys, um, and and they just kind of filled in where Weber left, you know. And those are two, you know, professional guys who know what they're doing. So, um, you know, even without Weber, I just I just don't see it happen. It's uh, it'll be it'll be exciting to watch. I'm I plan to catch uh, a D League Finals game or two. Is there a place to watch them live? Do they stream them? They stream them on YouTube live, and actually, oh, wow. um, I be- and I believe all the finals games will be on ESPNU. All the postseason games you can find on ESPNU. Um, I believe tonight the game is on ESPNU. So if you have ESPNU, you can watch them on TV live. You don't even have to go to YouTube. You can watch them live on TV. That's super cool. I mean, it's it's funny because, you know, the D-League right now, it's not fully formed. It's, this is not the final form. We've talked about this last time. There's going to be 30 D-League teams at one point. Maybe more if there's more NBA teams than that, if they ever expand. But, I mean, like, when's the last time you saw, you know, and I, I don't know who would ever look for it, but, like, a minor league baseball game on ESPN? I don't know if it happens. But the, we have this fledgling D-League that is not very old, and it's already on every playoff game on ESPN. That's that's kind of phenomenal if you think about it for a minor league. Yeah, yeah, we're, they're in the 15th season, so they started in 2001. You know, and really over the last four or five seasons, it's really just taken off. You know, the last three seasons have each seen an expansion team. Next next season, we have three expansion teams. So in the last four seasons, six new teams added. 
Um, you know, there's only eight teams without a D-League team. So, like you said, 30, 30 is coming. You know, the one-to-one affiliations, um, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of, of when that's going to happen. So um, my bet is by the 2019-2020 season that happens, um, I think it's going to be a real push here moving forward. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. I think there were 12 games in the regular season, just random games that they chose that they put on ESPNU. And then the majority of the playoff games I've, I've been able to watch on ESPNU. It's a, it's a good basketball product to watch. It's faster paced, I'd say, than the NBA. Although, like you said, some teams certainly value defense. Some really don't. But it, it's it's a good product. I, I think it's still enjoyable to watch. I mean, for Bucks fans, I think it's really something that, I mean, I know there's a little bit of a sour taste and a lot of, you know, uh, real NBA, NBA, uh, I don't know how to say this. Like you fans that pay attention to the whole NBA, but they're still Bucks fans, I suppose. Those people really want the Bucks to get a D-League team. I'm one of those people. But to watch these prospects who could become Bucks, some of them have been Bucks at some points. Uh, to watch them play can be just as fun as watching some of these uh, NBA playoff games at some points, even more so because some of these, like I said before, some of these first round NBA playoff games have sucked. Like, I don't think I can really sit through Spurs, Grizzlies. And I like, I don't think the Spurs are that boring. I'm not one of those people. I think the Spurs play beautiful basketball, but these Grizzlies, man, it's, it's, it's not easy to watch. I, I think the D League, this is a good season for them to be on ESPN because I feel like they're actually going to get some people watching, which is good for the sport. It needs to have people watching. I know you tweeted the other day, I believe it I'm, I'm, it must have been, some team like tripled their attendance. Yeah, the Spurs. So the, the Austin Spurs, Spurs in the last, yeah, in the last two seasons, I, I believe they went from, in 2013-14, they had around 56,000 fans for their full season, and this season they had almost 100,000. So they almost doubled it. They, they increased it 75%. Um, you know, so it's, they're, it's like you said, it's growing. We reached an all-time high. Just under 1.3 million fans went to a D-League game this year. Um, that's saying it's in, in attendance. So that's that's a cool thing. It's it's growing steadily over the last you know four or five years. Um, and they put them strategically in smaller cities that don't have other products, which is smart because then the guys the, the fans want to go watch it. They want to go out. It's a family atmosphere. It's affordable. Um, a lot of the times you can just walk right up to players after games. You can get an autograph, get a picture. Um, you know, they have all kinds of cool things going on. Just like if you go to a minor league baseball game, you know, they have little events in between the, the innings and at the seventh inning stretch. They do the same thing in the B-League. Um, there's, there's just a bunch of little quirks. I mean, I got something coming out tomorrow um, on the Texas Legends. They wear a different jersey for every home game with a different sponsor on it. So it ties oh, wow. into, you know, the, the NBA adding ads to jerseys. It's a big hot, hot topic right now. D-League's been doing that for years. So they literally have had 24 different jersey styles and types this season. Um, you know, and, and then they used it, they auctioned them off and, and uh, donated to charity. So it's all for a good cause. And, and it also gets, you know, some local businesses, some exposure from their team. So, you know, there's a lot of quirky little things about it, and I think once it once it picks up a little bit more, fans are really going to start to take to it. Like you said, the product is good. A lot of the players are good. It's not NBA basketball. You know, like you said, it's a faster pace. You're going to see more turnovers. You're going to see some questionable shots because guys want to stand out. Guys are looking to get to the next level. 
And some guys think that putting up 30 points a game is going to do that for them. That's not always the case. Um, but, you know, that's, that's in their, in their head sometimes. So you get, you get some guys that go out and they're a little selfish, but all in all, you know, when you get those good teams that are playing team basketball, it's, it's a quality product to watch for sure. But it is, it is more guard heavy. So like you said, it's a faster pace. I believe only one team averaged under 100 points a game, and that was the Erie Bayhawks. So 18 of the 19 teams, you know, they get up and down. There's, it's, they're scoring for sure. I feel like part of the, the, uh, the selfish play you can see at times. I think once the D League is a, a more one to one affiliation, we're going to see a lot less of that. Because I know now already, uh, from talking to you and from watching some games and reading some things, uh, clubs that have their own D League team, they, they instill the same identity. So like the, the Austin Spurs are fantastic on defense and they, and they do ball movement because that's a, that's part of the Spurs system. It's not just some team that the Spurs happen to own. It's very much a part of the Spurs. I think once every all 30 NBA teams have a D-League team, you're going to see more guys, and this is all just hypothetical you know, uh, uh, hypothesis, but I think you're going to see more guys who want to play into the system more and be good system players because I think that's what the teams are going to want to see is being able to, you know, oh, there's an injury we can pluck a guy from our D league team right now. And he knows how to play in the system. You know, he, he might not be the same caliber as all these other players. I mean, that's why he's in the D league. Not always, but most of the time, but if he can fit right in, I think that it's, it's much easier. Plus of course, salary reasons and all that, but it's much easier to go on as a team as opposed to just bringing someone in off the street or from a different organization who doesn't know the system as much. Like if you bring someone in who knows what's going on, you save so much time, and obviously in a league that plays as many games as the NBA does, time's pretty crucial. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you hit it on the head. That's the, the real value is, you know, it's a culture change from top to bottom. So a lot of these teams, you know, they instill the same stuff. I mean, it's Austin, the Austin Spurs is very much so the San Antonio Spurs culture. You know, it's the same thing. You hear the same thing from Sioux Falls um, that you're going to see in Miami. So, you know, they, they try to instill those things, and if guys don't fit in the D-League, they just get rid of them. You know, if guys don't want to, if they don't want to adhere to what's going on there, it's very easy to let a player go and pick up another player. You know, so you see a lot of roster turnover. Um, that's why sometimes you'll see some talented players get waived, and you're just kind of, you're a little confused at first, and then you find out, you know, they wanted to do their own thing. They didn't want to. They didn't want to play into the team system. And, and some guys fail to realize that, you know, you play in the team system, you put up a little bit less numbers, maybe you're more efficient, maybe you look more like a team guy, you play, you know, you play better with others, for lack of a better term. And an NBA scout or somebody who's going to enjoy that much more than you going out and chucking up 30 points and disregarding open guys and, you know, not playing any defense. So, you know, the perception is, hey, if I put up big numbers, I'm going to get a call up. And it's just not true. You can see guys who you know, have big stats in the in the league this year and weren't called up, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not team players. So I don't want to assume that either. Um, but big right. stats doesn't always equal a call-up, you know. Yeah, and, then, and I think, you know, if uh, if the, the Austin Spurs triumph tonight, which, again, as we're recording is two days ago, uh, there might actually be a, a D-League Finals game tonight when this posts on Friday. I'm not sure on that. Probably soon from there. It could yeah, it could be quick because it'll be the first game will be in Austin because Sioux Falls, no matter who they play, is going to be 
the top seed. So it, the first game will be either in Austin or it'll be in L.A. So if it's in L.A., they might get an extra day so that both teams can travel. Um, if it's in Austin, they might have it Friday. I would assume it's probably going to be Saturday okay. just to give Sioux Falls an extra day. Yeah. Um, but the D, the D League, like I said, it's only three games. So the first game is actually on the road for the top seed, and then the last two games are at home. Um, so that's how it works with the three games. So they don't do like a one-one-one just to save on travel, you know, and the, and the logistics of it. So the the first game is on the road for the top seed, and then it'll go back home for the last two to to give them a chance to to close it out. So yeah, so I think that makes a lot of sense the way they do it um, because it's the D League. It, it, you can't just fly all over everywhere. But um, but what I was saying before, if uh, if Austin does win tonight, and it's Austin and Sioux Falls in the finals, I think that right there completely proves what we were just saying about how the the NBA culture trickles down in the D-League because those are two of the best organizations in the NBA, the San Antonio Spurs and the Miami Heat going back a long time. And even if, you know, the the Heat may not be one of the best teams right now, they're still very good. They've always been one of the strongest organizations. And I think that shines through. and, And that's why those two teams happen to be so good right now. I mean, you look at the Canton Charge where the other team in the... In the conference finals with uh, Sioux Falls, I can't remember. I think that's Eastern Conference, right? Yeah, yeah, it's Eastern. So those that I mean, that's Cleveland right there, and then I mean, Los Angeles made it in. They have a nice practice facility, I guess. I don't know. Um, that one doesn't fit the mold as well, but um, it it certainly shows that the culture uh, permeates down. I was reading on Twitter the other day. I think it was Zach Harper and Matt Moore uh, at Hardwood uh, Paroxysm tweeting back and forth about uh, fictional bets they'd place on the D-League. One of them was, thanks to all the second-round picks Boston has this year, they have like nine total draft picks, taking the main red claws to become a dynasty if Boston doesn't trade those picks because there's no way they can put all of them on the roster. Is that something that that makes sense to someone who really follows the D-League like you, to where if you look at a team with a lot of second-round picks, you can kind of say, yeah, if they keep those, that D-League team's going to be stacked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, the the issue is they they wouldn't be able to put all nine of them on the D League team just due to the way the rules are. Because I mean, unless they were able to keep them out of camp and hold their draft rights, you know. So if they come to camp, you can only send four players down to the D League and and make sure that they go to your team. So if Boston brought all those players to camp, let's say theoretically they brought nine second rounders to camp and they didn't keep any of them on their NBA roster. They could only guarantee that four of them would go to the main red clause. The other five, if they went the D League route, could be could go to any of those teams. Okay. But then technically, if you don't technically if you don't sign them after camp, you you don't have their rights anymore, anyways. So if you bring them into camp and you don't, and then you don't bring them in. So what what will likely happen if they have all those picks is um, they'll do like what Oklahoma City did with Dakari Johnson this year out of Kentucky. He didn't go to their training camp. But he agreed, hey, you guys pick me in the second round. I'll play, I'll play a season in the D-League. So he goes to the D-League. They retain his draft rights, and it's like a domestic draft and stash. Hmm. So they put him here in the D-League. And send, instead of sending him overseas or, or cutting him, they put him in the D-League, and nobody, no other team can call him up. Only Oklahoma City can call him up. The same thing happened with Memphis and Andrew Harrison out of Kentucky. They came to the same agreement. Uh, Sir Dominic Pointer out of St. John's on the Canton charge, Cleveland did the same thing with him. So that's becoming a more popular thing. So if Boston could convince some of those second round draft picks to do the same thing, 
um, then yeah, Maine could be super stacked because they could have three or four draft right play, draft rights players, and then three or four affiliate players, all from all second rounders, and they could be pretty good. <laughs> it could be real good, especially with Scott Morrison. Scott Morrison is one of the better coaches in the B League as well, and he's the he's the head guy for Maine. Um, he's a great coach, and and I wouldn't be surprised to see him. If he wants to stick with pro basketball, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the NBA soon. And and Fran Fischilla mentioned recently he could see him taking over a big a big name you know college college uh, position as well. Yeah, I, as far as I know, and I could be wrong here, I don't think a head coach has ever been hired directly out of the D League to the NBA. I know Earl Watson made news today for being the third D League coach or the third coach to have been a head coach in the D League to become an NBA head coach. I know one of the others was Quinn Snyder. I can't remember who the last guy was, but I know there's been three. But as far as I know, it's Dave. never. I'm sorry, what? Sorry, it's, it's Dave Dave Yeager from Memphis. Oh, okay. But yeah, no, so no, he no. was. He won a championship. In oh, the okay. But none of those guys, as far as I know, were hired directly out of the D League. They were all assistant coaches. Or am I wrong about that? Well, Dave, Dave was a, well, Dave was the head coach in the D league and then became an assistant first. Yeah. Usually you're going to, you're going to become an assistant first before right. you go right to, right to an NBA head coach. Yeah. I mean, so, uh, there was a couple this season as well who went up, um, and, and the names are escaping me, but Earl Watson was one. He was with the Austin Spurs last year as an assistant coach and then went to Phoenix, got the interim tag and now he's the head coach. Um, Phil Weber was the Sioux Falls coach last year. And he's an assistant on Alvin Gentry's uh, staff in New Orleans. So um, it happens all the time. They just move up to assistants first and then kind of work their way up that way. Do you think we'll ever see a, a team just directly take a head coach from the D-League to be a head coach? Or is that kind of just seems like too much of a jump for right now? Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be really tough. I think it'd be that'd be a tough sell for, for that club to do it. I think I don't think it'd be necessarily disastrous i think it, they could do it and it could work because there's a lot of talent in the coat in the coaching ranks in the d-league as well i just think it's a it's a big risk to do something like that um so i think they bring them in first you know make sure they can work well with the with the nba players a lot of these guys are player development people who are uh who maybe started out as player development guys and now they're moving into more of an x's and o's you know coach kind of role so um you know they they specialize in developing this young talent and getting them ready. So can they work with established guys? You know, that's a, that's a different, it's a different beast. So I think it'd be, I think it'd be tough to see that. I don't know that we'll see it anytime soon. Um, but the, the assistants in the league, the head coaches in the league, they're always getting looks every off season. You might not hear about it cause they're not big splash moves, but it happens every single year. Yeah. I think it would definitely be a, a hard sell just like, I mean, really, it's it's sort of a hard sell even for players. I mean, I know more players get called up than ever. But, I mean, like for a team like the Nets, who were just terrible this season and had no reason to be because they don't even have their pick, you'd think, you know, you look at they'd look at more D-League guys. Like, I know, uh, who was it that went? There was someone who went overseas who I wanted the Bucks to take a look at. But you, you'd think the Nets would go, you know, like, let's just take the top five D-League prospects. And I don't even know if they could do that. Maybe not. But as many as we can take with our roster and everything and just give them all shots, I think there is a little bit of hesitation still. But I wouldn't be surprised to see the Nets take some assistance out of the D-League because they're basically forming a new culture in Brooklyn. They just got their head coach from Atlanta's assistant squad. Uh, they have their GM from the Spurs, Sean Marks, and he certainly knows about 
the the benefits of looking through the D League for some very good pieces. There was one thing I wanted to ask you about that we sort of touched on before, and that was basically how rostering works for D League teams and NBA teams. Do you think that as we get up to 30 eventually D League teams that we'll see a different roster system that allows the clubs to maybe have more control over uh, what the D League teams can do with players? Yeah, I think it's going to change. So I think I think we're going to see a change. I don't know. My opinion is the way that it's going to go is is not beneficial to the players. I don't I don't think. But I mean, it, you know, I could be proven wrong in that aspect. So right now, the players are basically free agents. You know, they don't have they don't have any tie unless they're one of those draft rights players that I was talking about. You know, so their NBA club still owns their rights. They're a domestic draft and stash type of player. But you know the excuse me, the Boston Celtics bring in a guy like Cody Clark, you know, to their training camp and cut him, and he goes to the main Red Claws. Any other NBA club can now sign him. So they don't they don't own his rights in any way, you know, other than he's playing for their D-League team. So I think what you're going to see when we go to 30 for 30, and Adam Silver's hinted on it, and so is Malcolm, uh, Malcolm Turner, who's the, head, the president of D-League, um, is you're going to see them follow probably the, the Major League Baseball route where the NBA club owns the rights to all the players on the D-League team or perhaps a hybrid. I'm hoping for something like a hybrid where maybe they only own the rights to the players that they sent there from camp. So they own maybe four or five players' rights, the top players that they think you know are the top players, and then the remaining guys remain free agents. The problem with this is you really limit the players' ability to get a call-up. So if only the Celtics can call up their players, then that, a guy like Tim Frazier, who came, who got cut by the Blazers, went to Maine. He could only go up to Boston, so we wouldn't have seen him get his call up to the Pelicans. And he had a really great, you know, last 15 to 20 games with the Pelicans. Probably earned himself a roster spot for next season. Um, so you know, you don't see things like that if they if each NBA team can only call up their players and those players can't go anywhere else. You're, you're, in, a, you're in essence telling them, hey, before you had a chance to get 30, 30 NBA teams looking at you, right now you only have one. So even if you trade off for a higher salary, I don't think a lot of players would like that because the ultimate goal is to make the NBA. So limiting, their chance in any, limiting that chance in any way is going to be a struggle to sell that for players. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. Um, I've also seen, you know, the suggestions of two-way roster spots where they say, you know, the NBA adds maybe two roster spots and, and those guys are for D-League guys that they can send up and down, you know, whenever they want kind of thing. Um, you know, so it's 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 going to be interesting to see what happens with it. I think there are going to be some changes. And like I said, I, I don't know that they'll all be for the betterment of the players. It might be for the betterment of the game overall which is obviously what the NBA strives to do is have the best product out there. But I don't know. I think they're going to get some pushback from players and agents if, if that's the case. Yeah, I think this is really the the most fascinating issue that we're going to see the D-League have to deal with is how to manage becoming a true minor league. Whereas, I mean, I think initially it was named the developmental league and not a minor league for, for a good reason. I mean, it wasn't really truly the minor league at that point. It's it's growing into that where it's essentially the little NBA uh, more than ever with all these call-ups and roster moves we see. So I've been thinking about a few ideas uh, just recently that, that might help that. 
what if, and I'm just going to ask these as what ifs to you and see what you think. Um, in a new sure. segment I just invented. <laughs> what if NBA teams, each other, we're saying this is when it's a one for one, so not for a year or two now. Um, NBA teams had a 20 man roster, so 15 of their guys, I'm assuming, would be at the uh, NBA level and then up to five D League guys that those all, they had the exclusive rights to that they could call up, and then anyone else on the team is fair game for anyone to sign. Yeah, I mean, I like that idea. It, it, I guess it would hinge on, do those do those five guys that can go up and down, are they paid NBA minimum, or are they paid something else because they're not quite on the NBA roster? You know, do, do yeah. you, that's, gonna, that's always going to be the crux. What are they paid? Because right now, the most they can make is twenty five thousand five hundred dollars, which is nothing. Yeah. Um. You know, but right now, but right now they also have the opportunity to get that call from any team. So a lot of guys take that risk and they bet on themselves. So I like that idea. I came up with something close to that, which is like a hybrid where you say, okay, if you pay this guy a hundred thousand dollars this year, then you hold his rights. He'll still play exclusively in the D League, and only your team can call him up. But you have to pay him a hundred grand, and the NBA team has to pay that top the D League. Um, because right now they're still separate. There's separate salary caps. You know, all that stuff is different. So um, that's something I, w- I said. Would that be enough to say to have that player say, yeah, I'll do that? And, you know, now I'm limiting my chances, but I got to guarantee hundred grand um, for that season. So, I mean, I think that's a, it's a valid idea that you have. Yeah, I think the way they'd have to do that plan would be, you know, there's like the active roster, which is – basically 15, although you can only have 13 active players per game, but you can have 15 with the NBA club. And then, yeah, I think the NBA team would have to foot the bill for maybe not NBA minimum salary, which I think is, uh, it depends on a lot of things, but it's a lot more. But like you said, somewhere around 100,000, 125,000. And then those guys, they have the rights to on the D-League team. They can call up whenever they want. Teams can't poach them, but they make significantly more than other D-League players. So they could rotate guys, you know, if they cut somebody, they could bring them up right away, stuff like that. My other idea was to have basically the D-League team players all be all be available to be signed by anyone, but basically restricted available. So let's say Boston has a D-League player who's good, and Brooklyn says, you know what, F you Boston, you took all our draft picks, we're going to take your D-League guy. Uh, we're going to try to call him up. Boston has like a day or three to say, yeah, we like this guy. We'll, we'll make a roster spot and we'll keep him, which is sort of also a baseball thing right now that you can do. How do you feel about that plan? I like that idea, actually. I think that's cool because then you still give their parent club a chance to keep them. You know, they have to ultimately make the decision. Is it worth it or not? You know, I, th- I think that's a cool idea. I, to be honest with you, I never really – it really that didn't really enter my mind, but I like it. It's like a almost like a short term restricted free agency for that player. Um, you know, when when some when somebody you know actually says, yeah, we'll sign him. You know, so I, I think that's a I think that's a cool idea actually. I might have to I might have to steal that from you. Absolutely, <laughs> write, write that up. I, I I want that to be. I think that'd be one of the better systems uh, that you could do with. Basically, what I did is I stole restricted free agency from the NBA and combined it with the. Uh, what's it called? The Rule 5 draft. Is it like the Rule 5? Yeah, yeah the, the Rule, Rule 5, 5 draft, draft, right? Yeah. yeah. But I think it has to be like the Rule 5 draft in terms of if the club keeps the guy, like in that situation, if Boston keeps their guy, they have to keep him on the NBA team for the rest of the season. 
You can't just keep him and bring him up and then send him back down because that would suck for everyone involved. I think if you right. choose to keep the guy, even if you keep him as the 15th man and he hardly gets any minutes, still, I think that's okay because, I mean, traveling with the NBA team, working out with the NBA team, getting some minutes, I think that's probably preferable to the D-League play for most of these guys. Um, I'm not sure on that. It maybe varies from guy to guy. But I, I think you shouldn't be allowed to just, you know, bring them up for two days and then send them back down and have some sort of a charade. But yeah, I think that, that I think that is the best thing that I've heard of. The 20 man roster, it's just so tough because, you know, when is uh, an NBA team going to bring up five guys from the same D League team in one season? I just don't feel like it, it, they would utilize all the spots. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of roster spots. I mean, so, you know, I, I, I think you and I had a mixed, kind of mix the same same idea where, you know, you pay them a little bit more. Maybe it's not necessarily a, a new roster spot, but you pay them more to stay here and play for your D-League team, and then you still own their rights because you're paying them more. Um, and then if you need to call them up later, somebody gets hurt and you want to waive them, they have a season-ending injury, whatever the case may be, and you need a new guy, they know your culture, they know your schemes, they know the lingo, you call them up, and you can plug them in if need be. They can be that, you know, 10 to 15th guy on your roster. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Um, they just need to make it so, like, like, like what you were saying earlier, the, the D League should still be about the players. Because, I mean, the NBA, I, I, this, this isn't meant as, you know, a, a crack at the D League, but the NBA could live without the D League. Like they, they did for a long time. I think the D League makes NBA basketball better. I think it improves the product, but I think it should be about the players more than anything, because as you said, you know, these guys could make millions of dollars overseas. Like, these guys could make big money to go to Europe, to go to the Asian League, to go to the Chinese Basketball League, all over. But they stay for the shot at the NBA. That's that. The, it's all about the players. So I think the system needs to ensure that guys have the best chance at finding NBA minutes. And I think giving teams full control of the D-League roster and restricting other teams from getting at those players is the worst way to do that because like you said like i don't know like golden state or san antonio like when are they going to call up more than maybe one guy in a season like you're not going to see good teams make many call-ups because they they just they they don't want to upset their rosters and that makes sense so a team like brooklyn should be able to go hey this d-league this d-league guy is incredible if you're not going to use him we will i think that's fair yeah, and like I said, I think you make a super valid point on it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with it and what they decide. Um, hopefully, I mean, you know, they're it's smart people at the top of these leagues. There's a reason, you know, these leagues are starting to become successful, especially the D-League. NBA's been successful for many, many decades. Um, you know, there's smart guys up there. Hopefully they reach out, they talk to players, they talk to agents, they see, you know, they get a temperature check on, you know, what the, what these decisions would mean for their players. Um, you know, and they and they try to make the best decision possible, and you know, um, the league just keeps on growing and and keeps being successful, and and more people start watching it. So, absolutely, I I have the utmost confidence that Adam Silver and uh, the D League president, who's I, I I've heard his name twice today, I still haven't remembered it. So sorry, D League president, <laughs> um, but I have every confidence they'll do a good job in working out this system. They're going to put a whole lot of thought into it because I'm pretty sure it's aside from salary issues. It's pretty much the premier issue facing the D League right now. Aside from getting all thirty teams as well, I, I know you. I don't. I think you broke it, but I could be wrong about the uh, the Northern Arizona team that just moved. 
Yeah, no, uh, I think it was Paul Coro out of Phoenix. He broke that yeah. they were you know, they, they purchased Bakersfield and and moved them to Northern Arizona. So they moved them to Prescott Valley. Um, so yeah, so I, I'm I followed it up with the fact that the Clippers are looking at possibly putting their D League team in Bakersfield, which is now vacant from that team moving to Northern Arizona. Do the Clippers have a team right now? No, no, the Clippers don't have a team. So it's Bakersfield's about two hours away. Um, to our, I've, um, I've since heard from them that from some other sources around the league that they're probably looking for something even closer than that. Uh, proximity for all these new teams is is a big deal, so they want them close. You know, they want them as close as it can be so that they can send guys up, call them, or send guys down, call them back up same day if they need be. You know, send them down to practice, send them down to rehab, call them back up. So they want them close. They want their staff close. Um, so. I don't know. Bakersfield is still a chance. From I've still heard from around the league that it's still a chance, but it's it's looking like an outside chance for the Clippers going there, and it's looking like they might wait until you know seventeen, two thousand seventeen, two thousand eighteen to add a team and, and do something a little bit closer. I know Adam McGee and Jordan Tresky and I were talking about this on one of our super super long winning six podcasts um, because the the Lakers uh, practice facility is where the Los Angeles Defenders play. Unless they changed that, but I don't believe they did. So they're literally right there. Is there any sort of rules preventing a D League uh, guys or coaches or players from attending an NBA practice or even participating in one to sort of even more build that camaraderie, or is that just sort of a gray area? Yeah, no, that will participate. I can tell you that. So they might be able to, you know, sit in on it. Um, I think I think what happens for that for that team and what I've been told around the defenders is that the benefit of playing there is that is the opposite is that the the Lakers guys can come watch them play. Ah. You know, so Mitch Cup Mitch Mitch Kupchak's office is overlooking the court. You know, so he can watch hmm. a game and see right right in his backyard what he's got not only on the defenders but on the other team. You know that they're playing against that night. So. Um, you know, and LA is LA, so it's a good venue. Um, you know, it's, it's small. They can only fit about, I think it's 300 to 350 fans in there. So, you know, it's, it's tiny. They're, they're definitely the smallest venue. Bakersfield was the second smallest. They only had a 700, um, capacity place that they played, their small arena that they played in. So there, there are much larger ones. You know, I think the legends, you know, they led the league this year with around 5,500 as their average. Wow. So it's a big discrepancy on who comes, who doesn't come. Um, you know, so I, I know the NBA players can't participate in the practice. Um, they might be able to sit in on it or, you know, watch from the hallway or whatever, but they can't be involved in any way. But I think that the opposite is true um, because there's nothing restricting an NBA player from being assigned down and, and practicing with the G League team. So oh, okay. I would imagine that that happens. Yeah. Um, is there a... A B-list celebrity that you know of that sits and watches every Defenders game, like Jack Nicholson watches every Lakers game. <laughs> no, no, I know they they the Defenders are quick to tweet out anytime the NBA guys are there. So I know Jordan Clarkson went to a lot of the games um, to to watch guys play because Xavier Henry was down was down and played against them a couple times. Um, so guys, you know, they're a little bit familiar with like a Vander Blue played with them last year. Um, Ryan Gomes, you know, who's been in the NBA before. So um, him and Tariq Black were the two that I saw most that went down and watched. But no, uh, no big name celebrities that I know of. We gotta, we gotta get on that. We gotta get someone who's like not top <laughs> tier, but like a second tier guy, and just 
convince them to be a massive Defenders fan because I'm sure they could. <laughs> they might not even have to pay. I mean, the the Defenders might be willing to comp them the seat just for the uh, the the acclaim and the publicity of it. This could be a sweet deal for some celebrity who has a very a very deep interest in basketball. I'm I'm intrigued by this now. Let's get uh who was it? Wasn't it uh Tay Diggs that was following all the basketball players a while oh. or basketball Twitter people a while back? Yeah. Let's hit Tay Diggs up and tell him he needs to become a huge defenders <laughs> fan. So start watching these games, man. He started following everybody, so he needs to go watch the D League guys. <laughs> There's another article for you. Tay Diggs to the Los Angeles Defenders. Make it happen. Um <laughs> Last D-League thing I can think of I wanted to touch on is, as far as I know, and I've heard, and I've been watching fairly closely, there's still no word on a Bucks d D-League team emerging anytime soon? Unfortunately not, man. I've reached out to some people there in the area, some people that are much closer sources to the team than I, and, and unfortunately it's, it's not it's not really in the forefront right now. You know, they're focusing on, um, you know, their younger guys, that are there on the team that they're trying to develop. And there's a need for it, clearly, because they, you know, they assigned Damian Inglis down to two separate teams this year. So I think they see a need for it. I just don't know that it's, you know, a top priority for them right now. Yeah. Um. So I think they're probably scoping out venues, kind of like the Timberwolves are, and, you know, maybe it's not going to be next year. Maybe the year after that, you know, they'll get serious about it. Um, you know, the cost isn't that great. I think it's approximately, you know, around six to seven million, you know, to get an expansion team. So for an NBA owner, that's, you know, it's pennies. Yeah. I mean, um, that's less know, than, then, uh, Scott know, Brooks will make this year. So, <laughs> right. So, I mean, you know, it doesn't cost much. It's just getting all the logistics in order and, you know, it's a big undertaking, you know, when you're starting an expansion club, um, getting all the office stuff, you know, every, there's a lot that goes into it as you can imagine. So, um, I think it's I think it's vital for all the teams. I just think some of them have it higher on their priority list than others, and I and I think unfortunately the Bucks are one of those that have kind of pushed it down a little bit. So here's a, a theory I'm coming up with: the Bucks are planning a new state of the art training center to go with their new arena, which I believe is supposed to open in 1819 season, but I could be wrong on that. Some season it's supposed to be open in a few years. Is it? And this is all theoretical. We don't have any, as far as I know, we don't have any information on this. Could they be planning to use the training center as the D League arena to keep the team close? Is that maybe a, a that, thing? Yeah, no, it's definitely a possibility. The Wizards are said to do the same thing. You know, the Washington's creating a brand new practice facility, you know, around their arena, and, and they're said to they want to house their D League team there as soon as it's up and running. So that's definitely a possibility for the Bucks. You know, maybe they just know hey, this whole new facility is going up. We're going to wait until that happens. So maybe that's why they've kind of put it on the back burner because they already know where they want to put it. You know, they just don't have the facilities in place yet. So that's de- it's, that's a definite possibility. I'm hoping so. I, I, I want a Milwaukee D-League team really, really badly. After you told me about affordable courtside seats, I knew right away. Because I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm deep in the draft process this year. I know a lot of fringe players. I'm aware of them. I don't know them personally. I would be very excited to go watch Damian Inglis and Rashad Vaughn also played in a couple of D-League games. Uh, guys like that. I mean, the Bucks have two second-round picks this year. If they keep both of them, they're going to have too many too many guys, not enough roster spots. I'd love to watch some of these guys play in the D-League a little bit. Not yet. Hopefully soon. Yeah, the domestic draft and staff thing is, is a new trend. It's 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 getting bigger and bigger. I think there were nine guys this year 
Last year there were five. The year before that there were three. So that's becoming a real thing where, you know, they give guys, you know, they say, hey, we'll draft you late in the second round with our 50th pick if you agree to stay here and play a season in the D-League. Um, so that's happening. You know, then they can watch everything right in their backyard. They can see what's happening, and nobody can, like you said earlier, come poach them away. You know, they they got their draft rights, um, you know, and then they get a chance to, to, to bring them up in the next season. So they're not going overseas to play in Europe or Greece or Australia or anywhere like that. They're playing right here in the, in, in the U.S., and they can keep a close eye on them. So I think that's the thing that's starting to happen more and more. And I think it's just going to increase as the beauty becomes more and more valuable. You're going to see a lot of these second-round picks. They used to be guys that we had no idea who they were, and we just got to hear Fran Fischel tell us how they were the next Michael Jordan. Hmm. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get more guys that maybe we know their names, you know, or maybe we still don't know their names, but those guys are agreeing to play in the D League rather than stay overseas. I think that uh, that's that's a positive trend. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the D League grow more and more next year. Um, I want to move into NBA basketball real quick. Is there anything else you want listeners to know about the D-League before we very quickly talk about the NBA postseason? There's three new teams coming next year. So Charlotte's getting a team. They're called the Greensboro Swarm. They're going to be in Greensboro, North Carolina. The Bulls added a team. The Windy City Bulls. The logo yeah. is legit. They got they got two alternate jerseys. I love it. I don't like the name so much, yeah, but I'm the not logo is the legit. Name, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Brooklyn added the Long Island Nets. And actually, next year, they're playing in Barclays. So they get to play their home games where the Nets play, which will be a, a cool thing for those players, I'm sure. Wow. And they already announced they already announced their head coach. Um, they hired Ronald Norred, who is a Butler alum. You might remember him from playing with Gordon Hayward. Oh, okay. So nice nice young hire for them, 26 years old, getting his chances to cut his teeth as a head coach in, in pro basketball. So that's cool for him. So those three teams are coming. That brings us up to 22 teams next year. Um, just look out for those two, those three teams, man. It's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting. The Nets are getting smart, and it's scary. Like that sounds like a really smart idea by the Brooklyn Nets to steal a guy that early. Um, I'm getting worried that the Nets are smart. I'm not used to that. Um, final, final <laughs> D League thing. Uh, at least three new teams. There could still, there's still time for more D League teams to be announced over the summer, right? It has to be really quick. I okay. mean, the D League se- season starts in November, so that's you know roughly seven months out. Um, but it's got to be quick, man. I mean, the Raptors did it in about four months, but the Raptors had a lot of the groundwork laid before they announced it. So it's got to be quick. They got to have an arena picked already. They got to be ready to go. Um, not likely that we'll get another team for next season. I don't think so, unless it is the Clippers to Bakersfield because of that proximity. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking of the 905, but yeah, if they already had the groundwork, that clearly made it a shorter uh, process. Um, right now when, the NBA playoffs first round. I, I'm not real interested in talking about the first round. Um, just big picture. Who who do you got East and West? Is it going to be the Warriors running away with things? Or do you think it's going to be a little more interesting? I'm hoping it's going to be interesting, man. I think the Spurs, you know, are, are I think that's who it's going to come down to. I think it's going to be Golden State, San Antonio. Um, you know, that's who everybody wants to see. And, for all intents and purposes, I think that might be a better matchup than what we'll get in the finals if it's Cleveland or Toronto or, you know, I, I think it's going to be Cleveland. Um, you know, and I think Golden State, San Antonio will be more fun to watch than Golden State, uh, Cleveland will be to watch. But I think it's going to be Golden State in the finals. I mean, granted that Steph comes back healthy. They're just so fun to watch. They're so they're so well-balanced. They play both ends so well. I love Draymond Green. 
He's oh, so easy to hate. He's the and best. And easy to love at the same time. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I can understand why other teams hate him, but you, you watch him as a fan and you just got to enjoy it, man. And guys like Andre Iguodala, they're so versatile. I'm so happy for a guy like Sean Livingston. You know, everybody knows about the injury and, you know, him coming back and being such a vital part to their team is so cool to watch. So, uh, they're fun to watch, man. They're, I mean, they're a little arrogant and, you know, they're getting that way and they're starting to teeter on that, you know, team that people love to hate now, but it's, they're just so fun to watch to me. I've, I've never seen a player that I've been more enamored with than Seth Curry since seeing highlights of like Pistol Pete, you know, when I was younger growing up in Louisiana, Pistol Pete's a legend, um, in that area of the U.S. So, um, you know, it, for me, they're just so fun to watch and so enjoyable and they play the game the right way even though they shoot an insane amount of three-pointers. Um, I just think they're the, they're the, they, it's theirs to lose, you know, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think uh, I, I never was into Pistol Pete as much as a kid, but there's just something about watching a star player, a true star. Uh, like people say, you know, Paul George is a star. At times he is. Uh, but Steph Curry, I mean, he will just take over a game. And I love team basketball, and the Warriors really do play team basketball. But I don't know if you remember the the shot he made against the Thunder late in the regular season where he was like 35 feet back or some ridiculousness. Yeah. And there's still time on the clock. And, like, that's the shot he wanted, and he absolutely nailed it. Like, I watched that live, and it was just like, my God. Like, watching a player just take over like that and just do whatever they want, no matter what the other team has to say about it. That doesn't matter. They just take over. There's something special about that, and, and Curry does it often. I, I certainly hope he comes back, but as a number of people have said and written, there's no real reason for him to hurry back to play the Rockets. I mean, the Rockets are so yeah, bad. No. Uh, yeah. The, what was the last thing I was going to... I had another thing. I don't remember what my other thing was. <laughs> no worries, man. Yeah, no, I mean, the playoffs are fun to watch. Like you said, this first-round stuff has been kind of kind of lame so far but and I, and I want my Blazers to give the Clippers a little bit more of a battle um, but you know I, it's it's always intriguing to see I just think the end the end is kind of inevitable and, and it's going to be you know Cleveland versus Golden State in the finals so it's fun to watch it's almost like something that I've DVR'd you know and, I, and now I'm watching it I'm re-watching it even though I know it's going to happen yeah, <laughs> so um, it's yeah I mean I'm always down to watch basketball so it's it's cool to watch. I'll watch basketball in any form, women's, men's, you know, Euro, D-League, whatever. I'll watch it, you know, but, um, you know, it, it, like I said, it's almost like I know what's going to happen. It's almost like I feel like I should be selling these opinions to somebody as a psychic, <laughs> you know, um, but, but I think a lot of people know what's going to happen. So <laughs> it's not as valuable as, as it might, might once have been. <laughs> yeah, may, maybe not. It's, it's like uh, I just caught up on five seasons of Game of Thrones in like three weeks. And uh, I had had some parts of it spoiled for me. And I'll save the spoilers because some of you might be catching up as well. I don't want to be that guy like certain people were to me. But yeah, some of it, some parts you watch and just sit there like something's going on and you just know the tide's about to turn completely and something else is happening. But you still enjoy it. That's this playoffs for me. I think you're right. I think it's going to be Warriors, Cavs. I kind of hope it's not just for just how exciting it would be. But I think it will be. I think that's all for this podcast. Is there any last minute things you wanted to say, Chris? 
Nah, man, it's been it's been great. It's, I'm always happy to be on the podcast talking about D League stuff, man. That's fun to get people that are that like you that are excited about it and willing to learn more about it. There's it's not a ton of fans, you know, but it's it's growing with basketball Twitter and you know more writers are covering it. So I'm excited for the growth and uh, for the extra work I'm gonna have covering three more teams next year. Absolutely, uh, I I hope to have you back, and I know I will have you back on soon if hopefully. Um... I don't, uh, maybe just no occasion just because I want to. Um, last minute, <laughs> last minute here. Thank you, Joey Burbs, for making the intro and outro music to this podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Joey Burbs. Check out his SoundCloud. Just Google Joey Burbs, like I said last time. You can find him. He's all over. It's a very distinctive name. Uh, follow me and Chris on Twitter. I know I'm at Ty Windish. Are you at Chris Reichert? Chris underscore Riker, yeah. Oh, okay. See, the underscore would have gotten me. Chris underscore Riker. Follow both of us. <laughs> Check out all the great content at Upside and Motor and at Behind the Buck Pass. Uh, have a great week, everybody. And thanks for coming on, Chris. Yeah, man.